0: You are listening to a podcast from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries. For more information about our church, please visit us at rmcmchurch.org. And go ahead and open your Bibles with me over to John chapter 7. Uh, We are still continuing in this series that we've been in, that we've been calling The Well and the River, what we're talking about is uh, Jesus defined for us two primary roles of the Holy Spirit? And we're going to look at that today and, I, and I, I hope that it'll be really, really clear today that those two, it's one Holy Spirit, but he has two there are two different major aspects to his ministry. He does a lot of different things in us and through us. Huge variety of things, huge variety of gifts, all, all kinds of things. But two primary categories of what he does. And the first one over we studied weeks ago over in John chapter 4, verse 14. Jesus talks about his ministry and compares it to a well of water. He says the person that drinks of him... Uh, that his life will flow into them. We looked at the different words in that uh, passage and it's very clear that where it says a well of water springing up that term, remember that? The term springing up was never used of an inanimate object like water or a rock or something. It always speaks of a person. Jesus was talking about the Holy Spirit. When we give our lives to him, when we receive him as Savior, the Holy Spirit comes into us and resides in us and begins to minister to us. He begins to change things in us, to speak to us, to lead us, to guide us. We talked about all those things for weeks. And then the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about this other aspect here in John chapter 7, where Jesus came along And he compared the ministry of the Holy Spirit coming upon us to a river of water flowing out of us. So that well aspect is really, he comes into us to minister to us. And at the baptism of the Holy Spirit, he comes upon us to empower us to minister to others and to carry out the great commission. And we're going to look at some more of that today because there's, honestly, this is one of these things I kind of don't understand it's so clear in the scripture, I honestly don't know why uh, there's as much uh, discussion about it as there is. When we look at every assignment, every commission, that from the time that Jesus began to commission his disciples to go out ahead of him, to then when he increased the number of disciples that he commissioned, to where at uh, the at The the end of each gospel, we are given what we call the Great Commission for believers to go into all the world. In every one of those, not a single one of those, were we told to go and just carry uh, a, a better philosophy. Go and present a better religion. That was never the message. It was never the message. Certainly the gospel is a better philosophy. It's God's heart, all right? Certainly it is. Certainly it is. A, it presents a high, higher moral standard. But it was always go into all the world, preach the gospel, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons. There was always an element of power that was to go along with the gospel. And so I want to talk today about the way that Jesus... Uh, modeled that and the way that he transmitted that really uh, to his disciples. And, and it should become, if you have questions about this or if you have friends that have questions about this, it should become really clear that Jesus presented the new birth and the baptism in the Holy Spirit as two separate, um, two separate events, two separate encounters with the Holy Spirit. And so let's... Um, let's go over, let's look at, and and again, I really encourage you, go to John chapter 20. I really encourage you, if you have not been here, if we're a number of weeks into this series, and I would encourage you to go back, get on our podcast or watch them on YouTube, but go through. We've laid so much foundation. We've talked about so many things. And um, so today I, I want to, talk about this. John chapter 20. I'm going to begin in verse 19. I think I'm reading a little bit more than what you actually have up there because I couldn't fit it all on the screen. So I'm starting in John chapter 20 verse 19. It says, then that same day at evening, being the first day of the week when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews. Okay. So Jesus has already gone to the cross and been raised from the dead. And the disciples are assembled together, their motivation at this point being for fear of the Jews. They were afraid they were going to get killed too. All right. So that's where, that's where they are in their thoughts at this point. says, so Jesus came and stood in the midst of them and said to them, peace be with you. Now, you know, there are a few places that he did this where they were, here they're already scared. Okay. I just, I mean, I might be totally off on this, but I think Jesus just had fun with this. I, I really do. They're already scared. They're in this room and he just walks through the wall or just appears in their midst and then says, peace be with you. It just, it cracks me up every time I read it. So uh, it says, when he had said this, he showed them his hands in his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. And then he says this, and I want you to notice a few phrases here. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. All right, so this is after the resurrection, but before Jesus ascended and, it, and long before the day of Pentecost. But remember no one could be born again until Jesus went to the cross, paid for sin, was raised from the dead. All right? So nobody could receive him as Lord. They could believe in him, and they could the disciples essentially ministered with him and under his covering, under his authority when he was on earth. But nobody could yet be born again until this point. All right? And so he says to them, he, it says he breathed on them. Let me let me just break this down a little bit. It Says just as the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. Just as the Father, or or uh, your various translations will say it uh, various ways, but that's that's what it says here. In the same way, this word "just as" the Greek word here just that's translated "just as" or in the NIV or I guess that was the New King James. It's as the Father has sent me. It means in an equivalent manner. I am sending you in an equivalent manner to the way the Father sent me. All right, this word has the connotation of something being equal in value and function. Equal in value and function. So the assignment Jesus gave us, it's different. None of us are the Messiah, right? Our role is different, But the Greek term used here says that the assignment he gave us is equivalent in value and function to the assignment the Father gave him. The sending of us is equivalent to the sending of him. We know that for a lot of reasons. Jesus said, you will do the same works that I've done, greater works than these. In fact, he he said, you will do. All right, we know this from a number for a number of different reasons. But the idea here is that we're going out with the same mission he had again, not the not the messianic paying for our sins mission, but the mission to to spread the kingdom into the earth, that part of his mission, that is our mission too. And so we are given the same equipping that he had. And the scripture tells us It's prophesied in the Old Testament. He repeated it in the New Testament that that the Holy Spirit has come upon me because. We'll probably look at that verse later over in Luke chapter 4. He has come upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor and so on. All right. Jesus needed the equipping of the Holy Spirit to do his work on earth, so do we. And that's what he's saying here. He's saying, look, I'm sending you in an equivalent manner to what the Father has, how the Father has sent me. And it says, when he had said that, then he breathed on them. This is a really interesting word. He breathed on them. And it, the that Greek word that's translated breathe there, it doesn't appear anywhere else in the New Testament this is the only place that it appears but there's a there's a greek translation of the old testament that's called the septuagint and and so they took the old testament from hebrew and they translated it into greek the septuagint uses this exact same term back in genesis chapter 2 when god breathed life into adam it's never used any place else in the new testament but in the Old Testament, remember God formed Adam and then it says he breathed the breath of life into him. So this term, breathed, means to release life into. It means to put life into, to bring new life into. That When Adam was formed and God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, that was when he came alive. That was when life came into him. In this case, he breathed into the disciples and that's when new birth, new life, new creation came on the inside of them. It's, we would say, it's when they were born again. All right, so this this terminology right here, remember, who is this? The disciples, okay? Jesus comes into their midst. He says, I'm sending you out the same way that I was sent out. And he breathed into them. And he said, receive the Holy Spirit. All right, that term receive, I know many of you have heard us talk about this before. That term receive in the Greek means admit into. It's literally what it means. It means to receive something. This is actually an instruction from Jesus to receive what he's giving. And what's he giving? He's giving new life. He's giving the new birth, and at the new birth, the Holy Spirit comes into us. So he says, let the Holy Spirit in. That's what he says here. Admit him into. We've made this big deal all along about the difference between where the Scripture uses the term into, the Holy Spirit coming into us at the new birth, and later where the Scripture uses the term upon, the Holy Spirit coming upon us, we find in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And it's these two different areas. So so when we understand what's being said here, this is clearly, these scriptures are about the new birth. This is when the disciples got born again. All right? So Jesus later told these, so here they are, okay? They've already heard the commission. I'm sending you out the same way the father sent me out. We have different, you know, the Gospels give us various uh, versions of, of what he said in the assignment, okay? But it was a big assignment. Go into all the world, preach the gospel, raise the dead, cast out the demons, heal the sick, uh, baptize nations. I, it's You know, it is the expansion of the kingdom of God. All right, so so at this point, they are born again. I just want you to think with me just for a minute who these people are. They've walked with Jesus for three and a half years. They've actually ministered. They've watched him minister and their disciples. They've gone out and ministered. They've ministered in his anointing and power. They've come back at times and, and were just so excited about the miracles that they saw happen in Jesus' name. They've done all of this, unable to be born again, functioning under his anointing. Now they're born again. For most of us, it would seem like, okay, guys, go you know get out there right because uh this thing is you're you're equipped but then over for instance in Luke chapter 24 verse 49 Luke 24:49 it's and this is uh well anyway it says listen carefully I'm reading from the amplified now listen carefully some of your translations use the word behold right here behold listen carefully I am sending the promise of my Father, the Holy Spirit, upon you. Notice the word upon. But you are to remain in the city of Jerusalem until you are clothed, fully equipped with power from on high. So he told the same people that he had just breathed on and said, receive the Holy Spirit. The same people. He said, you're not ready to go out yet. I'm paraphrasing. He said, wait, you are to wait. And it's really interesting because this listen carefully or behold, it's a phrase that's used to call special attention to whatever follows. It's like we would say, listen up, pay attention to what I'm about to say. It's exactly what he was saying. Behold, listen up. Now hear what I'm saying. You are not to leave Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit is poured out. But wait, they just breathed in the Holy Spirit. It's because it's two separate aspects of the Holy Spirit's ministry. Is everybody okay with this? I don't care if you're okay with this, but are you getting what I'm saying? I guess is what, agree or not, I want you to get what I'm saying. Why am I emphasizing this so strongly? Because we still have, and I'm not being critical here, it's just the way it is. We still have a lot of believers who for whatever reason avoid the whole topic of being empowered by the Holy Spirit. They want to believe that we've created all kinds of crazy doctrines. The scripture is so clear. I honestly, I I wrestle with this. I'm like, why, why do we resist the understanding That the Holy Spirit comes into us at the new birth. We are filled with the Holy Spirit there in that sense. He comes into us. He begins to minister to us and lead us and guide us and speak to us. And it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. But then Jesus said, there's something more. Once he goes back to the Father, the Holy Spirit's going to come in a new role. And he's going to come upon you. And you will be fully equipped to carry the kingdom of God out into the earth. That means without that, we're not fully equipped. And again, I'm not being critical of of people that reject us. I'm just saying, I don't get it. If Jesus says there's something more for us, he calls that outpouring the Holy Spirit, the promise of the Father. It's It's a gift to us. Why would we reject that? Why would we exempt ourselves from that? And I think a lot of it is because we have we've had times you know as we as we attempt to to move in this and flow in this, you know we'll lay hands on a sick person and they don't get healed. we'll lay hands on another sick person, they will get healed you know we'll see some things take place, but we, we've we've tried to I think we've made up doctrines to try and fit our experience instead of looking at the scripture and saying, "This is what God says, I haven't experienced it all yet, but I'm pressing into it. Because this is what God says. I'll receive everything you have for me. And I'm not going to be perfect flowing in it, but I'll receive everything you have for me. You are a good God and you bring good gifts. The Over in um, 1 Corinthians 14, it tells us we should desire, we should be passionate about the the word there means we should essentially lust after the gifts of the Spirit. You know, so... At any rate, he tells them here, listen carefully, I'm sending the promise of my Father, what a great term, the Holy Spirit upon you, but you're to remain in Jerusalem until you're clothed fully, clothes, do clothes go on the inside or the outside? (laughs) Does anybody know? (laughs) Outside, right? Most of you have them on the outside, I'm very thankful for that, that's awesome, so so at, in John 2022 20, that we just looked at, he says, "Admit the Holy Spirit into you." Here he says, "I'm sending the promised Holy Spirit upon you to clothe you with power, ability. Don't let the word power." freak you out. It's ability, it's anointing, it's God's ability resting on you to bring his life to other people. It's not to make you look great. It's not to make you cool. It's not to give you, it, it's, to, it's so that you can pour out what God has um, purchased for us and made available to us so that you can pour that out to the world around you. All right, let's go over. I know you've never seen these verses. Acts chapter 1, verses 4 through 8. And this is probably, this again is Luke writing. And this is probably a more expanded description of what we just read in Luke 24. Uh, but, But look at what he says here. He says, it says, on one occasion while he was eating with them. So again, this is before the ascensions, after the resurrection, before the ascension. He gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Okay, another question for you. When you get water baptized, this is talking about baptism of the Holy Spirit. But when you uh, got water baptized, did you drink the water, take it inside, or did you get soaked with the water on the outside? Anybody remember? Water on the outside. You came out of that baptism soaked if you were immersed. All right, you came out soaked. We have loads of pictures from the years of people coming up with that joyous look on their face and the water just running off them. Okay, that's water baptism. Separate there are actually 3 different baptisms spoken of in the New Testament. We're not going there today. Water baptism. The word baptism, it comes it's a transliteration of a Greek word that was used in the in the business of dyeing cloth and it means to be immersed in, saturated with, and to carry what you were immersed in out with you, and I just think that's a great. I don't think we really need another analogy. We're all wearing clothes that are a certain color. Well, a lot of them started out as white or some neutral color. They were they were dyed, or the yarn that it was made from was dyed, or something. I don't know how they make clothes, but but they were dyed. And they were never the same color. They were never the same. They came out saturated with that dye and they carried that dye. That's the idea of baptism. So Jesus is saying to the same guys that were there when he walked in on them and they were afraid of the Jews and they breathed into them, they got born again and the Holy Spirit came into them. He's saying to the same ones, wait, because in a few days on the day of Pentecost... The Holy Spirit is going to be poured out upon you. And he goes on and, well, and he says, you'll be baptized in the Holy Spirit. It means you're going to be saturated with the Holy Spirit. This isn't just drinking a bit of the Holy Spirit. This is being saturated with the Holy Spirit. And, and so they start asking questions. They said, uh, so when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? All right, so they're essentially asking about a prophetic occurrence. We might think of it as a last days uh, type question. And he responds and he said, it's not for you to know the times or dates the father has set by his own authority, but here's what's important guys. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now I'm going to say something. What Jesus did here. Amen. What Jesus did here. I just want us to make note of this. He's telling them what they need to be responsible for their assignment in their age to their world. You need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You need to be born again. They already were. And you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You are going to need the power of the Holy Spirit to fully express the kingdom of God and salvation to the world. All right, so that's what he's saying. They immediately start asking him about some other age and some other time. When's this gonna happen? When are you gonna restore the kingdom to Israel? We might be we might be asking him, when's the rapture gonna happen? okay when's the when's the how how does that work does it you know does it does it come before the tribulation during the tribulation after the tribulation what's you know we might be asking those end times questions and i'm not saying there's anything you know it's fine to study that to a degree, but Jesus repeatedly in his ministry and this is just one place turned people when they were asking him about the temple. And, and all of that, he, he, say, he told him a lot of things that were going to occur. He did give him information about that. But basically it boiled down to be doing what I left you here to do. Be doing what I left you here to do. If you are being faithful in doing what he's, the assignment that he's given us in this age, you'll be ready when he comes. And and again, I don't, there's nothing wrong with studying all of that. And, and that's a good thing. We need to understand some of that. But don't get so, everybody I know that has become super fixated on end time stuff and looking at all the world situations and is this, this, and is this, that, and is this. Number one, they ended up being wrong. Number two, if they came to conclusions about dates and times and that kind of thing, they ended up being wrong. And number two, they became so fixated on that. Most of the people I've known personally weren't doing much of their assignment in this earth. And I just want to encourage you today, first, you know, ask all the questions you want, but first, be sure that you are doing, we're responsible for this age. I'm not responsible for the time of the tribulation or uh, the millennium or any of that's. And, and so there are two things we do with that. Number one we tend to put off into those times, the millennial, well, when the millennial reign comes, then healing will be happening in the earth. No, we're supposed to be bringing healing now. This is, we are not responsible for what goes on then. Well, when we get to heaven, everything will be good. No, Jesus told us we are supposed to be praying, Lord, your will be done. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven today. And, the, and so don't, just be sure that we're taking the responsibility that he's given us for our age. Then ask all the questions you want, and he'll reveal to you what he wants to reveal. But, but I'm just, just as a pastor, I'm just saying, I've just seen so much over the years of people getting so fixated on that stuff that they're, that's, that's all they think about, it's all they talk about, it's all the preaching they want to hear, and yet, you know, what's happening here what's happening at at your work like Annie just talked to us about what's what's happening there how how are you carrying the holy spirit on a daily basis okay so i believe with all my heart just be faithful doing what he called you to do be faithful in working toward the expansion of the kingdom in your world and you'll you'll be ready your lamp will be lit when he comes back you'll be in the right place i so anyway okay back to this all right Look at Luke uh, chapter 4 with me, if you would. I don't have it on your screen. Let's go look at those verses. Luke chapter 4. Beginning in. Sorry, Luke chapter 4. Not verse 4, John. Beginning in verse 18. I'll read this one from uh, the Amplified also, I think. This, he says, this is where Jesus stood up the very beginning of his ministry. And this, of course, is a quote from Isaiah uh, chapter uh, 61, right? You guys probably know. He said, the Spirit, actually, I'm going to read to you from the King James. It says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. There's that word, upon because, so there's a reason that the Spirit of the Lord is upon Jesus, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. So Jesus, Jesus, Son of God, living on the earth as son of man, anointed by the Holy Spirit. This is a model for us. For him to accomplish his ministry, he needed the anointing. We call it, we say, the anointing. All that means in the Bible, it means Holy Spirit upon and seen through flesh. All right, the anointing. We need, it is, I remember years, many (laughs) decades Ago uh, when I had some of my first opportunities to stand and teach, and I knew I was called to that, but I uh, start out pretty nervous with all of that. And in in prayer ahead of time, you know, I was getting caught up in whether I could say things well and that kind of stuff. And the Lord stopped me one time. And I and I always, I still do, but I always would pray in the Spirit a lot before. And really, uh, this day I, I just took on this habit of always spending a lot of time just praying in the spirit so that I would be engaged with him and hearing what he was saying and, and praying in the spirit for the people that were going to hear, you know. But, but at any rate, I was kind of caught up in whether I could say things, all well, that kind of stuff. And, and the Lord said, you need to just be trusting in the anointing because he said, it is my anointing that carries the words into the hearts of people. Without that, you might affect their minds. You might affect, you know, whatever. But it is the anointing, the presence of God upon his words that actually allows the word to enter our hearts and change us. You can have somebody who's a great speaker, really articulate and um, real well-schooled and all of that. But if there's no dependence on the presence on the anointing of God being upon what they're saying, it doesn't have the same effect. It doesn't have that effect to go into our spirit, to go into our hearts and change who we are. And if Jesus needed that anointing to do what he did, certainly we need that anointing, okay? Does that make sense to you? Okay, so again, and you can turn over to Acts chapter 10 with me if you would. God's ways. I was trying to think where to start this thought, one end or the other. The gospel is not and was never intended to be just a convincing argument or a set of debate points. Um, apologetics is the study of the word in a way to be able to answer arguments. And again, there's nothing wrong with that. But that's not the whole of the gospel. That's not the, the whole of even the, the intent or, or method of bringing the gospel. There's, there's, it's good for us to understand what people are thinking and where they are in our society and be able to answer the questions that they have. You're never going to be able to answer everybody's questions. The human mind, we are able to just keep, if we don't want to accept something that we don't fully understand, if we don't want to believe anything by faith, we'll just keep coming up with arguments and justifications. And, you know, we can go on forever with that. But there's a place for it. There's a place for understanding why it makes sense that God is the creator, why it makes sense. Uh, the, really, the, the if you start to understand what sin is, and what salvation is, and what um, what covenant, what blood covenant is, and some of those things, then to the spiritual mind, the gospel makes perfect sense. But it was never—I I, just—it was never intended to just be a, a debate, to just be something that we need to be really sharp and be able to debate with everybody. It's like it's like what Annie shared this morning. There are things in our lives, there are differences in our lives. And, and these aren't something we jam in people's faces either. It's just we live differently. We have a joy that the world doesn't have. We view death very differently than the world does. We have a peace that doesn't make any sense. You know, we, we have these things on the inside of us because we are forgiven, because we have his life in us. And so there's so much of just what we live and what we do. And then the presence of God and the Holy Spirit on us can make all the difference in your, for example, in your workplace, as she was talking to us about, just your presence. It's assuming you're being attentive and and you are praying for your Place of business, your presence there can bring a level of peace and joy that is unexplainable to people. That when they go to work, they enter into a place where there's peace. And they may not have that at home. They may not have that in other places in their life, but they can go in there and something's different. They may not know what it is. But the gospel was never intended. The, the scripture says the gospel is the power of God unto salvation for anyone who would believe. That doesn't just mean. It's a great argument that's powerful and will change their minds. It means the gospel carries and is accompanied by power. it is accompanied by spiritual life and we just you know we we just need to accept that and receive that and um and walk with God about it in acts chapter ten verse thirty eight it says and we're kind of picking up in the middle of a sentence, but it, it says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. All right, so again, God anointed. The Holy Spirit came upon Jesus and he went about doing good and undoing the works of the devil on uh, destroying the works of the devil in the same way, in an equivalent manner that the Father sent me, I am sending you. This is our story. This, this is who we are to be in this earth. And I guess the thing is that we can't really read the scripture. We can't look at what Jesus uh the the life and the power that he sent out with his disciples on the earth the the power we just read about that he t- said wait in jerusalem until this power is poured out until the baptism of the holy spirit comes and he says and you will receive power to be my witnesses we can't really read all that and just and separate the word of god and the message that we carry from this demonstration for lack of a better term, there's just never enough good words in English. This demonstration, this manifestation of the power of God when when we lay hands on a sick person and they get healed, that person is experiencing the love of God that goes beyond their natural circumstance. When we have a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge that unlocks something in somebody's heart or brings them wisdom about an area of their life. We prayed this morning over breakthrough in areas where we just we can't see a way. And that word comes, it's a demonstration of God's personal present care and love. We talked last week about how when Jesus stood up and made those comments in John chapter 7, he made them in the midst of this whole festival that was remembering the presence of God and his protection and his provision. And he stood up and he talked about the Holy Spirit coming. We just have to understand, I think instead we get focused on us sometimes. And well, what if, you know, what if I lay hands on the sick and somebody doesn't recover? Well, it's probably going to happen. It's almost certainly going to happen. All right. So the decision that you have then is, do I obey the word and just go on and lay hands on the next one? The more people you pray for, the more you're going to see healed. The less people you pray for, the less you're going to see. It's a simple equation, okay? But we've got to start with just accepting there's more to this There's even more to this. You know, we started out this whole discussion weeks ago with this idea that we've kind of, for some reason, doctrinally, we've separated and and some believers just say, well, yeah, the Holy Spirit comes into our life, but it's just about developing character. Well, it is about developing character. That's part of that into thing. It's about changing who we are, for sure. But there's there's no power aspect to it. No, Jesus didn't demonstrate it that way. Let me finish with this story. I won't even go to the scripture because I need to wrap this up. We'll, we'll probably take another week and look at this. Remember when the guys brought the paralytic and they dug through the, the ceiling of the house and they put that paralytic down before him? And he said, it says he saw their faith. Their faith, there was an evidence to the fact that they had faith in God. Something was happening. They were trusting him. And and he was surrounded by religious leaders and Jesus first said, be of good cheer, son, your sins are forgiven. And remember the religious leaders got all mad at him and they said, well, nobody can forgive sins but God. So there was a, there was a message there. He was telling them he was God. But then he made that statement and he said, which is easier to say, your sins be forgiven or rise up and walk? So that you will know that the son of man has authority on the earth, rise up and walk. And the guy rose up and walked. So that outward demonstration confirmed a spiritual truth that was invisible. Does that make sense to you? That's the same thing that happens. We can, we can uh, say, uh, just for a simple, we can say, God loves you. And it's true. And we need people to get that in their hearts. We all need to have that in our hearts. God loves you. He loves you so much he sent his only begotten son. Absolutely true. But when that person gets touched by God, then not only to them, but to somebody else, it's an absolute demonstration. You can still, you can reject miracles. Israel did it for a long time. Look at all they saw coming out into the promised land. And they were still just constantly afraid. Well, And I'm not criticizing him. I'm just saying we can can sit there and we can try and explain away. We can do whatever, but forget all that. The point is God wants to touch people with the power of his life too. Yes, he wants to transform the heart. Yes, he wants to change our character. Yes, he wants us to become more like him every day. That is the work of the Holy Spirit, absolutely. But there's more, there is more. And it's from him. And people in our world, we're coming into a time right now where if anything, we have more opportunity. You may look at it and go, oh, hearts are so hard. Well, God's really good at softening them. And I'll tell you what, when things are dark, man, his light shines bright. And we need to be the people out there that carry that life. And so if you have never received the baptism in the Holy Spirit, it's a separate experience from the new birth, but it's a wonderful, how do I do that? You receive, you believe, and you receive. Over in uh, Luke chapter 11, verse 13, Jesus said, in fact, I have it on my phone. It's, this is easy. This is not difficult. This is not, oh my gosh, okay. Luke, Luke chapter 11, verse 11. Which of you fathers, God's our father, right? If your son asks you for a fish, we'll give him a snake instead. Now I understand that some of you would do that, but just get his point, okay? Or if he asks you for an egg, would give him a scorpion. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the, whole, will the Father in heaven give you the Holy Spirit, give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So, how did you get born again? You asked and you received by faith. How do I receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? I ask and I receive by faith. It's, it's the same but different. Okay? My old friend Henry used to always say it's the same but different. Uh, so I just encourage you, and if if and then we can pray for you and lay hands on you or help you pray that prayer. But I encourage you, if you've never re- responded or received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, come up after church and let me pray for you. Or I received, and I'm not, I'm not diminishing you coming up. I, I would love that. I received the Holy Spirit in my basement by myself because I saw it in the Word and I just said, Lord, give me the Holy Spirit. And he's going to make some amazing changes in your life. So I just encourage you, and, and if you want to take it home, I've told people before, I'm, I'm wrapping up, I promise, who were, who were raised in doctrine that was opposed to this one way or another, and I just gave them the scriptures and said, take these home. They love Jesus. They listened to Jesus. I said, take these home and ask Jesus about it. Read these scriptures and see what conclusion the Lord brings you to, and when you're ready, come and we'll lay hands on you and pray. And they did, they did because it's so clear in the scripture. So let's stand up and pray together. We'll be dismissed. And then if you would like to pray that prayer, just come on up afterwards and we'll pray with you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Father, I thank you so much for you've given us so much and you have made it all available by faith through grace, through your free gift, and all we have to do is connect with you in faith. And so, Father, I do, I pray for anybody in here, especially if they've, they've got doctrine in their hearts that's just resistant to this truth about the Holy Spirit. I'd, I know that you will settle that. I know that you will bring light to that. And I totally trust you to do that. And Father, for all of us, your word also it talks about you coming into us, the Holy Spirit coming into us, talks about the Holy Spirit coming upon us, and then it talks about us being filled over and over and over, topped up to overflowing again. So, Lord, for some in here this morning, I just ask for that fresh infilling. Lord, just that fresh filling and topping up. Lord, and and we thank you for all of that. And we welcome everything that you've given us. And as we go out into the world, we, Lord, we want to carry your life and your power and be led by you and minister to people in a powerful, powerful way. We thank you so much for it, Lord. Thank you so much for it. God, as this church goes out this week, we believe, Lord, lights in dark places we bring light, we bring life, we bring your words, we bring your power. Lord, we thank you for it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Did you get anything out of this? All right. All right. We'll say it on the count of three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin in the world. Hope everybody will stay around. And if you're here for, if you are part of our Children's Youth Ministry. We'll have a meeting in a few minutes. There's good snacks out there for you. Fellowship, love on people. Come up for prayer if you'd like it. All right? One, two, three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world. Amen. Go out there and be his church.